Father, we want to lift up the name of Jesus this morning. We know that you are in the house, no matter what the situation or circumstance may be. Because where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst of your people. We thank you that, Lord, this morning you will show us the way. That we need to understand as we delve deeper into your word. That you may bring out the treasures that we need in this hour, in this day. That we may use it wisely. And that we might cover ourselves by the word, the blood, and the spirit of God. And we give you thanks as always for that revelation this morning through the Holy Spirit that every heart may be filled with the knowledge of Jesus. Thank you for what you are about to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A relationship with Christ produces always a dynamic. When I say dynamic, I mean a forceful change that always comes to us through further revelations and interactions that demand our attention to go further. That means that when those kind of interactions and revelations come to us, they push us to a place where we need to make a decision as to whether we are going to receive that truth that, uh, that is being revealed to us by the Lord, and then if we are going to go further with it in our relationship with Christ. Once our eyes are opened, we must realize that we are no longer just worldly creatures or living in the world. Some change has taken place and the veil has been lifted. So now we can see into the realm of the Spirit and we see ourselves as associated with another world and many other beings that God has created. Whereas before we did not know that. We were only concerned about ourselves, our lives and what it is that we wanted to achieve in life, thinking that that's all there was to life. Till Christ came along and intervened in our lives and had the grace to open our eyes to see into the realm of the Spirit, not only to know Christ, but to see what Christ has got in his creative world or crea creation in, in other parts of the world. The worlds that he created, it says the worlds were created by Jesus. So we know there are other things there. So but to achieve this higher vision and the knowledge of Christ and his creation, we need to pray the prayer in Ephesians 1.17 onwards that talk about the eyes of our understanding being opened through the spirits of wisdom and revelation that we might see Jesus seated upon the throne ruling over principalities and powers in heavenly places and upon the earth. Once we see that, right, we, we can never see again 
in the way that we used to see. We have to see the way it has been revealed to us. So the interactions of Christ with us through the Holy Spirit is to bring us closer into the revelations that He has for us, that transport us out of our world into His world and into the understandings of those things that come from His world and then how to use that in our world. It also brings us into a deeper relationship with Christ. He is not your little baby in, a, in swaddling clothes lying in a manger anymore. Nor is he a, a bless me gadget that you can just pray and say, bless me, bless me, bless me. Nor is he the Christ that we knew in the flesh who died on the cross for us. But he is now seated upon the throne, ruling and reigning as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the Almighty God, the Creator of everything, both visible and invisible. That's a different dimension. Unfortunately, Christians tend to think downward, they don't look upward. This is the danger for many, many, many Christians. And because many churches do not have this relationship with Christ, where they are coming to revelations and knowledge and understanding and taking those bold steps to go in that direction, they remain depleted. When I say depleted, I don't mean in numbers. I mean in the life of Christ in them. It's limited. And it is slowly leaking out of them to the point where they become, you know, dead men's bones. They are just functionaries. They are just operating out of an agenda, out of an agenda, out of an understanding or format. So they end up being people who practice the form of godliness and they deny the power that comes from that relationship with Christ. Because they're scared of it. Basically, if you boil it down and look at why they don't take the next step and go forward, is because they are afraid. I know I used to be. Every time God challenged me to go to the next level, it would scare the living daylights out of me. I tell what what would transpire? What if I made a mistake? What if I ended up in heresy? What if I said something wrong, taught a wrong doctrine. And then I started getting the assurances of these revelations through the Holy Spirit because of the Word. And the Word was became my lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It became my, my fortress, my strength, my, my reasoning. And to understand the supernatural and not just use the word as a religious tool to further my own understanding of Christianity. And so today we have a lot of religious organizations where the Spirit of the Lord does not live in that church. Christ is not edified, glorified or magnified in that church because there's too much of self and self-indulgence and this is the hard yakka 
that pastors and leaders of the church have in breaking the mindsets of people and getting them into a spiritual 2020 vision to understand what is beyond their ability to understand but have to depend on the grace of God, on the Spirit of God to reveal it. So they constantly preach that message or the, the, the underlying spirit of that message so that that particular body can grow and become more Christ-like and understand what is beyond them. We are in a place uh, most of the time in churches where we struggle with tradition, with format, with false doctrines, teachings, lines, all manners of things because people have come to their own conclusion about the word. They have not got it from the Holy Spirit. They have got it from their own gleanings, their own understanding. They have got it from their deliberations, their hours of burning the midnight oil, reading the Bible, and concluding out of logic and other forms that this is what the Bible is talking about. And so they don't understand when the Spirit of God is speaking and challenging them to go higher because now they have a fortress of their own understanding and doctrines and theologies, but they cannot receive what is of the Spirit of God. So even if a man of God comes and talks to them by the Spirit, they cannot receive it. They say, who are you to tell me these things I already know? That was the reaction I got when I first came out here. And I said, the things that I am trying to teach you is kindergarten stuff in India. But you tell me that you are a Christian for 50 years or 30 years or 20 years and you don't know these things? So Jesus asked Nicodemus, you are a master of Israel and you don't know these things? How much more is that question being posed to us as a church today? I think it is. That we have taken our experience with Christ and made it our own after the first initial encounter with Him. That we do not understand the Christ that is risen and is seated upon the throne ruling and reigning and is now talking to us in manners that are different to when He first spoke when He was on the earth. And that's why he said, I give you the Holy Spirit that he may bring to you knowledge and understanding of what I have spoken. Without the Holy Spirit, friends, it is impossible to know the truth. You can work it out. It may even produce some fruit and results for you, but it won't be the truth. It won't be ratified in heaven. And so we end up with false doctrines and teachings in the church and limitations and boundaries that do not allow us to grow. And I, I am so, so scared and concerned for the body of Christ worldwide that we are not willing to listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. I said, Lord, how often have I got it wrong? He says, a fair bit, son. 
a fair bit. And that scares me. Because I have not delved into the knowledge of God through the Spirit of God. These churches that deny this dynamic force that is working in them and around them do not realize that this is the life's blood of an ongoing relationship and fellowship with Jesus. So what they do is they exist merely on crumbs. And you and I know you cannot survive on crumbs. You cannot eat crumbs and survive. The woman who came to him at the table for her daughter, he said, it's not meat for me to give you the children's bread. She said, yes, Lord. But the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall off the table. And he said, yes, because you said that your daughter is healed. But you know, that woman, she has to stop eating crumbs. She has to eat the meat that God gives his children. So when we become his children, we don't eat crumbs. But churches around the world, many of them eat crumbs. And so the Spirit of God has left those churches and many are like dead men's bones. They look nice on the outside, but inside it's just dead. There's nothing going on. There's no life. Some are still operating out of gifts. Some churches are still operating out of gifts and talents and others out of agendas and programs and methodologies. They don't understand that when the Spirit of God moves, there's a dynamic, there's a force that's operating that is external, that's supernatural. It's got nothing to do with us. It's got to do with God. So you've got to make a way for that dynamic force to work in this place through our submission and yieldedness to Him and not being afraid or being taken to the next level. Uh, I was listening to the testimony of a man who got saved at the age of 61. He said, I come from a family that didn't know anything about God. We didn't go to church. My parents didn't go to church. I didn't go to church. Nothing happened. That was anything to do with God. We, we did not know God. He said, I was standing in a bus shelter one day. And I looked down and I saw a track there on the ground. And I bent down and I picked up that track. And it read, what must you do to be saved? And he said, he began to weep uncontrollably. And he wept and he wept and he wept and he couldn't stop. And he began to realize what Jesus had done for him and why he needed salvation. And he got gloriously saved. And he went to a Pentecostal church where they were moving in the spirit of God. And there was power and there was all sorts of things happening. In, those, in, that, in that church. So the person who was interviewing him asked him, so what is your age today? He said, I'm nearing 90. You know, when I looked at that man, he was on fire. He was on fire. And he said, this is church. He was talking about the church where he was right now. He said, because the Spirit of God is moving this. He said, most of the churches are dead. He said, they've got smoke and nice music and this and that. But there's no spirit in the church. And so we are forced to stop 
and look at ourselves and say, hang on a second, are we going wrong? Are we comfortable where we are? We'll just use this building as a place to come on a Sunday morning and we'll have a fellowship with our brothers and sisters and we'll have the mantle of Christian on us and that will be enough. Without giving space to the Holy Spirit to teach us and lead us into what He wants for us at this time. Today we are in the year 2021. The world has changed so dramatically it will never go back to 2019 or even 2020. We cannot afford to live in the old. We have to live in what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. When the Spirit of the Lord leaves the church, it's like Samson. He once moved in power. And the Spirit of the Lord left him and he says, the Bible says, he wished not. That means he did not even know that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. And like times before, he got up to go and fight with the Philistines. But the Holy Spirit had left him. And he was taken captive and his eyes put out. And this once mighty man was nothing but a dog in the sight of the Philistines. And we need to understand something here. That we are not preaching or teaching or giving money. Those are not the formats that we are interested in. Those are methodologies to do what God wants us to do. But without the life of Christ in us, without the Holy Spirit confirming it to us that Christ be in us, we are nothing but reprobates. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. I will come to that passage for those of you who are interested in the word. So we must begin to understand something. That the compelling nature of a relationship with Jesus is a dynamic force that gravitates us toward Him, to a higher place, that is Jesus. The person of Him. Not His gifts, not His talents, not His wonderful blessings or any of those things. They, they, they are not the first in our relationship with Christ. You cannot tell me that because you got blessed with some money the other day that you have a relationship with Jesus. You cannot tell me because you did a miracle the other day that you have a relationship with Jesus. You cannot tell me that if you spoke in tongues that you have a relationship with Jesus. Because I do not believe that anymore. Because now I need discernment from the Holy Ghost. To know who you are. There are many false teachers and preachers and, and all manners of insidious spirits inside the church because they have taken the word of God and they have made it their own and they have brought out a theology that is not right. 
Because they have not heard it from the Spirit of God. They have heard it from their own ears. And so they are purporting to say this is what the Spirit of the Lord said. But it wasn't the Holy Spirit. So we have to fine tune our relationship with Christ. And begin to understand what we say and why we say it. And what is the backing behind what we say. Because motivation and intention is very important to the Holy Spirit. So we have to watch what we say because we will be made accountable for what we say. But this relationship with Jesus compels us to go higher in our daily walk and gravitates us towards him because we want to know the Jesus now that is seated upon the throne. Why? Not only for our daily food of spirituality, not only for our understanding on how he thinks and operates and to preach the gospel effectively, but also to overcome our daily burdens, the world events that are going on right now and the attacks of the enemy. Because these are all working towards dissuading us from going higher into Christ and following him the way he wants us to follow him. Take up your cross and follow me, he told the rich young ruler, but he couldn't do it. A time had come for him when he needed to make that decision. A time had come for you and for me, even though we've been Christians for so long, when we have to make that decision, take up your cross and follow me. You say, Lord, haven't I been following you all these years? He said, perhaps, but I am now taking you on a different journey. Are you prepared to follow me? Apostle Paul found something out. He got a revelation in something in his interactions with Christ that propelled him to this dynamic relationship on a higher level. He was already moving in authority, power, miracles, signs and wonders, all of those things. But he had come to a place in his relationship with Christ that he needed to understand something that he had not understood up to that point in time. And that is the message that I want to bring to you today. Please come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul begins this particular chapter talking about how he had been to the third heaven and how he had had many visions and you know he was caught up to know into paradise and to know unspeakable things which is not lawful for a man to utter. So he had got a revelation. He had got not only a revelation, he had got several revelations of what he needed to know but was not allowed to speak but he knew in himself and then he goes on to say that he was given a messenger of Satan in verse 7 unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance 
of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul's commission to fulfill his journey was being buffeted by Satan. Now the reason that he gives us here is because he had had many revelations. Something the devil didn't want him to know, he got to know. And something that God did not want him to get exalted by was then subdued by a messenger, a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. He says, an infirmity, we, the Bible translates that in several versions as weakness. But we do know that there was a thorn in his flesh. And it was buffeting him. It was causing him to have a problem that was slowing him down. These verses hold incredible truths for us. Let's keep reading. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. That's three times. That it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. This is Jesus replying to him after he had besought him three times. Then Paul writes to us and says, Most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Amen. Ooh. Amen. <laughs> you know something? Human weakness never produces anything. Did you know that? All it does is produce negative stuff. It produces poverty, it produces condemnation, it produces decay in the body, in the soul, in the mind, in the spirit, and finally it brings death. That's what weakness does. Any form of weakness, whether it be sickness, whether you're timid, whether you're fearful, whatever it may be, anxious, and so it can lead to all manners of shortcomings of our human existence. And therefore, we suffer. Now, the weakness that Paul was going through, we don't know exactly to what extent that was affecting him or what the nature of that was. But he identified it as a messenger of Satan. Number one. Number two was that it was a thorn in his flesh, meaning to say that every time he wanted to do something, it would stop him. Buffet him means attack and stop him. So he sought the Lord three times. Now you've got to note something as well in this passage, is that the problem he was having was in the flesh, not in the spirit. Okay? There's a difference. So problem he was having was in the flesh, not in the spirit. So Paul called on his relationship with Jesus to solve the problem. 
Let's go back to what I began to tell you in the beginning about relationship. We all supposedly have a relationship with Jesus at whatever level it is. And we call upon the name of Jesus because of that relationship. But we don't always get an answer. In fact, most of the times we don't get an answer. And so we indulge ourselves in our little knowledge and in our hopes through what we hear other preachers speak and so on and so forth. But Paul did not go to anybody. He went to Jesus. He went to the one that he had a relationship with. And he attempted to solve the situation and he attempted three times but got nowhere with it. He had attempted to convince his master, his brother, his friend, his God, his Lord and Deliverer, but to no way. Now don't forget, he knew Jesus. He met him on the road to Damascus. He had had several encounters with Jesus. So he knew that he was all of those things. He was brother, friend, he was Lord, God, Master. So he must have gone in all those relationships to Jesus and said, hey brother, how about helping me out? Or hey friend, how about helping me out? Or hey master, how about helping me out? Or how God, can you help me out? Maybe he attempted on all levels of that relationship with God to get relief for his situation, but he did not get it. Perhaps you too are in that place. And you've been knocking on the door of the throne room of heaven and have got nowhere. Yes, you have a relationship, but you've got nowhere. He was seeking deliverance. He wanted out from the power of Satan. He couldn't understand. But he knew to some extent that it was coming because of the revelations that he had got. See, today many people get revelations and they then want to get up on a soapbox and start telling the world their revelation. <laughs> Biggest mistake. I want to tell you, don't rush to have your revelation exposed to the world because Satan is waiting to destroy you. To take that revelation and destroy you. There was a pastor in India he believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Preached it everywhere, saw the evidence of it, saw many getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. And 15 years later, he denied it. He said, there's no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's no such thing as speaking in tongues. So don't be in a rush. Don't be in a rush. To express your revelations. When you get an opportunity, you know, some people like to get the mic and start talking 19 to the dozen about their revelation. I say, be careful. Be very, very careful. So Paul went to his master, he went to his Lord, who had commissioned him. See, he knew how to go into the throne room. Let's go and read that. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 16. We're talking about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. On a new level. On a new dimension. A new understanding. 
Because Jesus had said to him, My grace is sufficient for you. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. He says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Paul had gone there many times. He had, he had accessed his relationship with God many times and had seen great success. But for the first time in his life, Jesus was talking in a different way. And he said, listen, so my grace in this case is sufficient for you. So he did not get deliverance. Are you listening to me this morning? He did not get deliverance when he went into the throne room. But he got a revelation. And that was his deliverance. That is what we read in verses 9 and 10 of 2 Corinthians 12. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You want to make the strength of God perfect in your life? You need to understand what weakness means. Then he says, Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities. So now he's talking about actually promoting what is wrong in himself. And he's saying that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wow. Now this is something to take note of. I don't know how many of you know about the Chinese man called the heavenly man who spent 20 years in prison in China. And he wrote this in the Bible that he, I mean in his book that he was uh, living in this prison with 13 other prisoners who were urinating on him and beating him up. He was getting tortured every day with 10,000 volts of electricity going through his body because the Chinese guards used to do that. And he was skin and bones and living on maybe about a morsel full of rice and water per day. And Jesus comes to him and says, I want you to fast. He says, are you kidding me? He says, what do you mean fast? He said, I'm almost dead and you want me to fast. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And he got a revelation and he fasted something well beyond 50 days without food and water. Being beaten every day by the gods in spite of it. Jesus did not stop the beating. Nor the electrocution. See, many of us are at a place where we are not able to get deliverance for our situation. Perhaps it is because God wants us to be there. My grace is sufficient for you. See, you cannot continue a relationship with Jesus like how some preachers make it out to be. Make it out to be easy. Don't worry, brother. Everything is fine. You are a victor. You are an overcomer. 
you're already saved. You're all, your sins are already washed away. You know, you'll make it to heaven. Don't worry. We bless you. We honor you. You know, you're the best. You know, you're God's precious. You're God's child. You don't worry about it. But it's not as easy as that, my friends. And you and I know that, but we deny it because we want to hear something else. We want to hear something else. We're scared that if we speak the truth according to the word of God, that we might even deny our own doctrine. But it's not our doctrine. It's got to be the doctrine of Christ, otherwise forget it. It's not valid in heaven. And it won't work for you. It may look like it's working for you, but it won't work for you. So Paul got a revelation in the throne room of grace that he needed only the grace of God to survive and therefore he was going to glory in his infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon him. Preachers don't tell you that. That there is another dimension of power. There's another dimension of grace. They only tell you about the extension of grace so that your sin is not a problem for God till you repent. No, 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 my friends. There's another extension of grace. It's bigger than you can imagine or I can imagine. Grace is not something to be taken lightly. We have to understand that not all Christians are at the same level of understanding or maturity as the one who has overcome. Okay? So grace extends to them more than it extends to the one who has overcome. And the only reason the one who has overcome has overcome is because grace was extended to that person to overcome. Time was given. Knowledge was given. Understanding was given. So Paul began to write in a way that was not easy to understand because he himself had received those revelations from Christ directly. And now we are needing the Holy Spirit to interpret what is written so that we can understand it in the same way he understood it and let it work in us the same way it worked in him. Even Apostle Peter had some difficulty understanding what Apostle Paul was speaking about at times. He said it's difficult to understand that. Yet Peter was a righteous man. And, and a powerful man in his own right. You see, we've got to understand that. Not everybody is in the same place. And we don't show grace to those who are not in the same place as us. We are possibly even beating them up to come to where we are. And they can't. But yet grace is extended to them by Christ. So that eventually they will make their way up. When I was seeking the Lord about my heart surgery, we've had four cancellations on my heart surgery already. So I was hoping that I was going to be delivered, that I would receive a new heart or a healed heart. And I was seeking him day and night. Because I just did not want to do the operation. And I spent three nights here on my own in this church in that corner over there. And I started 
pressing into the throne room. And I said, Lord, I need to know. And this was the answer he gave me. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm at a dead situation. If I don't do the operation, it's every likelihood that the aorta would break and I would die instantly. So it was a faith question. Do I have the faith or don't have the faith? Do I want to take the risk? There were so many other considerations. But what was preeminent in my thinking and my mind was, how can I fulfill my destiny with this thorn in the flesh? And his answer was, my grace is sufficient for you, son. I said, wow. Okay, I've got to take a hold of this. I've got to understand this. So I said, okay, I'll do the operation. I've got the same answer as Apostle Paul. I'll continue on <laughs> with the buffeting. I'll continue on because I have a place to go. I have a destiny to fulfill. I have a calling on my life. I'm carrying a mantle. This, is, this thing that is bothering me is only in the flesh. It's not in the spirit. My heart problem is only in the flesh. It's not in my spirit. I began to understand what God was talking about. And then I said, Lord, but then how is the power of God resting upon me? He said, the son, the fact that you are still alive is my power. I said, whoa, okay, I'm getting it, I'm getting it. And then when that was over in May 2020, 2019, six months later he speaks to me and he says, now what are you waiting for? Pack your bags and go. So November 19th, Anoja and myself took off to Sri Lanka, India, and we saw the power of God moving. Now this new dynamic relationship with Christ, the forceful change that had taken place was producing what had not been produced before. Yes, I've seen all of those things before, but this time it was different. Here is a fleshly vessel damaged in his heart. Not fully okay, but people are getting healed. People are getting delivered. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Not one or two. Masses of them. A new dimension to the ministry began because of that. Then the Lord said, I want to cast your mind back on something else. He said, you have been facing persecution since you came to this Western Australia. We've had hundreds offended by me and have left because of me. But how am I to take that and survive and still minister to the church in love? The only way is His grace. Only way is His grace. There's no other way. It's easy for someone to say, I'm offended by you and leave the church. But I cannot say I'm offended by you and leave the church. So where's the fairness in it? 
because he's teaching me something that is of a different dimension that I've never had before that I can operate in whereas before I never operated in that. His grace. His grace being extended in my situation. And then continuing on to fulfill the will of God in every area. Not demanding that I be healed. Yes, I'm asking. And I'm giving him all my good arguments why I should be healed. But I have not been healed. I'm surviving by his grace. I'm doing everything by his grace. I am doing the will of God every day by his grace. Grace is the power of God to continue on in the face of all hell which breaks loose on you. All hell, I know. You know, there are people here whose families are not with them. And you are being tortured by what is going on in your homes. Your Christian walk is in tatters. And you can't work out why. You've got to come to that place. You've got to come to that place where God is ministering to you out of His grace. He's saying you can do it. Not because you have the power, but because my grace is upon you. And that is the power that is resting upon you, that is getting you up in the morning and saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, and blessing your family and blessing your people in your job and having a song in your heart and a song on your lips because that is the grace of God on your life. It's not you. See, what Jesus was trying to tell Apostle Paul was, hey, it's not up to you, Paul, nor is it up to the devil. Do you get it? Your life is not up to you or the devil. He can attack you from 24 different sides. He can bring the worst of the worst things to you from 24 different sides. It doesn't matter. My grace is sufficient for you, son. My grace will destroy the enemy. My grace will progress you. My grace will take you higher. My grace will bring you closer to me. And my grace will sustain you. And you're thinking, no, I have to do this by myself. No, you don't. You don't have to do life on your own. I stopped doing life on my own many years ago. But it took some time to wean that thing out of me. What difference does it make? Whether you are alive today or not. 
Why are you holding on to this life? Holding on to your family, holding on to your cars, holding on to your money in the bank, holding on to the job you have, you know, whatever it is, your good looks or your dresses or whatever it is that satisfies your flesh. Why are you holding on to it? You're going to be transported from this life into another world that is going to be with Jesus forever and ever. That's what you should be preparing for. But we get up in the morning and we are so worried about every little thing that happens. So how am I going to get through this day? He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Once you realize this grace, you realize that life is not up to you or Satan at certain times, but Jesus to conduct your life and continuity in life. So my focus is Jesus. My focus is how to get closer to Him in the way He wants me to get closer to Him, not the way that I only want to get closer to Him. Yes, I have a demand on myself. I have a desire. I have a love for Him that drives me towards Him. But at the same time, my lover wants me to come to him in a certain way. I don't just walk into the throne room of grace with all my sin and all my thing and say, well, there you go, Lord, take it or leave it. No, I don't do that. He says, confess your sin. You have an advocate with the Father. Then come into the throne room of grace. Right? It's not that it's not available to you. But he wants to know whether you will recognize your failings, your shortcomings, your weaknesses. The reason why you are in the place where you are. You've got to recognize that. Sin is not a joke. It is a serious matter with God. The number one sin that God hates, above all, is idolatry. And you say, no, I don't have any idols in my house. Yes, you do. What you worship in yourself is your idol. What you worship in yourself is your idol. I was teaching Mumbai the other day on Friday, and I said, have you given your heart to the Lord? And they all said, yes, 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 we have given our heart to the Lord. I said, no, you haven't. I said, neither have I. I've given a part of my heart, but not all of it. You've got to understand that the interactions of Christ with us is always about the heart and the heart condition and about him getting it right in you so that you can be with him forever in perfection. So he teaches us, so he talks to us and a lot of things matter to him which people take for granted. They have a carte blanche understanding of the word of God and they apply it carte blanche.
They never stop to get into the depth of what that word is talking about and why it is that that word is talking about it. So what they do is they just say, no, no, that's good, I understand it now, I'm off on my journey. And then they get knocked off their donkey somewhere along the way, and then they say, Lord, what happened? I was doing so well and now I'm on the ground. So because you didn't listen to me, I've been talking to you for years, and you just won't listen to me. How do people get off the rail and become slaps, backsliders? Because they've not been listening to the Spirit of God who's been talking to them. Then they find themselves in all manners of difficulty and trouble and say, oh God, how can I get back to you? Well, repent. Repent of your sin. So, oh, what sin is that? I thought you took it on the cross, past, present and future. Well, son, this is your present sin. One preacher said, all your sins are forgiven you, even in the, in the future it's all forgiven you, so you can become a bank robber tomorrow and it's fine with God. Whoa. So I can become a pedophile or I can become something else, you know, a murderer, and it's fine with God. What kind of theology is that? Be careful what you preach. Be careful what you say. Because you have understood it in your own plan, in your own understanding. So God wants us to tap into this power called grace. Because in that grace you will begin to understand the plan of God for your life. God has a plan, always has a plan. See, we are, we are struggling with many things, personal relationships, sicknesses, temptations, jobs, all manners of things. I say, forget about all that, press into grace. You'll find that there is nothing there that is limited. It will come to you as a blessing from God because you have understood that this is the power of God resting on you. Do you think that I could have made it thus far as a drug addict and alcoholic going mad in Sydney when I was 34 years of age? I didn't ask to be saved. I didn't go to him and say, save me. In fact, he had to chase me all over the countryside to find me and give me supernatural experiences and encounters before I would accept him as Lord and Savior. So do you think that's his grace? Do you think that's his mercy for a miserable sinner like me? And after that, after I became Christian, it's still his grace. It's still his grace that's putting up with all the things that I do wrong so that I can get it right. And he's teaching me by the Holy Spirit. And advancing me step by step by step by step. And I'm going from one level of faith to the next level of faith by His grace. As much as I desire it, as much as I want it, it's when He extends His grace that I will be able to access it. And then when I do, I find that it's a beautiful place. I want to share this encouragement with you. Jesus has you in his hands. Don't slip out of it. 
He has you in His hands. He's protecting you. And this is the higher call. I want to finish with this. Because this is where you will understand what I've been talking about for the last one hour. Come with me to 2 Corinthians 13. He begins a chapter with telling people that he's coming there with two or three witnesses of God's own word. Because they were seeking a proof of Christ in him. That's why I said to you, I'll come to that passage later on. That if Christ is not in you, you're a reprobate. A reprobate is a disallowed person. A person whose conscience is sealed and cannot be changed. But Paul talks about his relationship with Christ on the basis of what Christ himself went through. And let's have a look at verse 4. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lived by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Wow. So he said that Christ himself was weak. Now you never imagined that, did you? You never thought Christ was weak. But yet the passage is saying Christ was weak. Christ in himself could do nothing. He needed the Father. And to go to the cross, he needed the Father. He was weak. And in his weakness, he was crucified. Suppose he manifested as the Son of God and as God, he would not have been crucified. But he didn't. He manifested himself as a Son of Man. And in the flesh he was weak. And therefore he was crucified because he gave himself to that crucifixion in the understanding that the power of God was resting upon him. That it was not possible for Satan to hold him in death or in hell or in any other place because the power of God was resting on him. So he submitted to God. That's what God wants from you today. To stop resisting him and start submitting. Stop your doctrinal theories and theologies and all these other stuff that you're going on with. And come to the place where the Spirit of the Lord begins to speak to you like you have never been spoken to before. What Christ said to him negated everything he knew about his relationship with God and had to come into a new relationship with God based on his grace that he never understood before. It needed everything. He could not get up and say, Oh, Rabbi, Kalba, Rabbi, say, I curse you, Satan. I throw you out. This, that, the other. Please, the blood of Jesus. Wow, wow, wow. No, none of that works. Because the instructions that Jesus gave him was start on this part of the journey. My grace is sufficient for you. Forget about Satan. Forget about what you know. 
these are my new instructions. And that is what God is speaking to us in the book of Revelation. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to the church. Are you listening? Because if you don't listen, you're not going to understand. You're going to bring your theology. You're going to bring your doctrines. You're going to bring what you had, your past experiences and all of that. And he says, now listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Ah, I don't even know who the Spirit of God is, some people might say. Like the disciples of John the Baptist to Apostle Paul, we don't even know if there's something called the Spirit. Do you? I'm not in a hurry to answer that for myself. I know that I know that I must hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And when He speaks, He will ratify it with the Word. There's no other way. There's no other way that you can run your life. There's no other way that you can determine the next step. So give it up. Give it to the Lord. I cannot share some of the intimate things that have been happening to me over this few years here that has been going on in my head. And when I approached the Lord about it, He said, My grace. That's the only thing that's keeping me going. I have no accolades to talk about. When the Spirit of the Lord speaks, then we hear and we obey. And we submit and we yield. Amen? I'll give you a little secret before I end up. About a month ago, the Lord spoke to me about the devil. And he said, go and look at the passage in the Bible that talks about my interactions with the devil in the wilderness. I said, yes, Lord, what is it? And he said, did you see how I spoke to him? He said, I spoke to him like he was my subject. Do you get it? We have been giving too much credence to the devil. He is a subject of God. He was there for a reason. He is here today for a reason. He's also subjected to you because you are now seated with, in heavenly places next to Jesus on thrones. So treat him like a subject. Stop treating him like he has power over you. The only one who has power over you is the Lord Jesus Christ. Should have. If you give him that. And he said, by your grace, by your grace, it's sufficient for you. Let's pray.
Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this hour. Thank you that you will speak continually to your people after this, including me. And you will take us to that realm of grace where we can begin to see things we have never seen before and fulfill our commission and our destiny upon this earth, even as you have instructed us to do so. Thank you for your presence. Bless us and lead us and guide us the rest of the day, the weeks ahead. And whatever it is that you want us to know, please speak to us as we open our ears to you, Lord, that we might hear. And we bless you and we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's anybody here who needs prayer this morning, we want to pray for you.